That's what it sounded like in New York City on Friday when several thousand protesters carried Israeli flags and also some signs with slogans like Chofshi Be'artzenu in Hebrew or Free in Our Land and History Has Its Eyes on You. These protesters gathered outside the headquarters of the United Nations, while inside, Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was speaking to the UN General Assembly. He told them a peace deal with the Saudis is in the works, and also repeated his warning that Iran is still a dangerous threat. The protesters are extremely pro-Israel for the most part, and most of them probably had no issues with what he was saying to the UN. Instead, they wanted to show the Israeli leader how much they oppose his government's policies that have curbed the power of the Israeli judiciary. Now, protesters have dogged Netanyahu's whole week-long trip to the United States. And those 2,000 diaspora Jews who turned out in New York are one of the reasons why the leaders of Israel's weekly anti-reform protests have now set their sights on garnering support from diaspora Jews on this side of the world. People like Joan Garson of Toronto. She's an Order of Canada recipient, and she attended the anti-Netanyahu rally in New York. To show our support for the devoted um, democracy fighters throughout North America and around the world. And because we wanted Netanyahu to know it's not just in Israel that people are objecting to the anti-democratic actions being taken in Israel today. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, September the 26th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. On today's episode, you'll get a sneak preview of an event set for tonight, September 26th, in Vancouver. It's the first time some leaders of the Israeli pro-democracy protest movement have come to speak in Canada. Michal Mushkat Barkan is one of the founders of the group Safeguarding Our Shared Home. She's based in Jerusalem, and in her day job, she's a Jewish education professor at Hebrew Union College in Israel and heads the department. But for nine months, she's helped organize protests outside the Israeli president's residence every Saturday night. She makes sure that each week's protest gives a platform to speakers from different communities of Jerusalem, including Arabs, members of the LGBTQ community, male and female rabbis, and scientists, and even writers, including David Grossman. The whole thing started out quite unsophisticated. The organizing is still carried out mostly via WhatsApp, but now there are also fundraising arms, technical departments to set up the stages and the microphones, there's a communications branch, an outreach one for English speakers, And now for the diaspora, which is how Tuesday's event in Vancouver came about. And joining Muscat Barkhan on the visit will be Ora Pelednachas. She lives on Kibbut Ramat David, outside Haifa. She's a computer engineer by trade. She was the first woman to graduate from Israel's Naval Academy and the first woman to serve on an Israeli missile ship. But since she too joined the protests, she felt she needed to quit her day job and devote herself as a volunteer full-time. The two women joined me from Israel on Sunday, just before the start of Yom Kippur. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. And I guess the the reason we're speaking to you, of course, is that this is heir of your trip to Canada, as well as as heir of Yom Kippur. Um, Okay, so maybe explain to us, both of you, please, how this whole thing came about that you're making a lightning visit to Canada. So um, Michal and myself, we've both been activists in this uh, uh, pro-democratic protest movement, pretty much in its ninth month at this point. And the recent activity I've been involved in 
personally was related to connecting uh, the world jewelry to what's going on in Israel. Unacceptable. Seattle issued like a call for action or call for speakers looking to engage directly with the activists from Israel. The organization which I'm currently volunteering in kind of like stepped up for this and we invited uh, Michal's organization. And when Michal's name came up, um, it seemed like a perfect fit. And then while preparing for the Seattle uh, mission, we looked around and said, okay, if we're going to cross the world, let's look around and see what are other interesting communities we could engage with. We said, let's, let's reach out and see um, what's going on in Vancouver. Um, unacceptable Vancouver and, um, you know, Congregation Shalom and the other uh, partnering organizations have been really excited about this. So we kind of like sense there's an energy building up in Canada as well. So here we are, I guess. Michal, would you like to jump in on that, how you decided to join? So I was, uh, I have, I work at a Hebrew Union College in Jerusalem, and uh, this is a, a North uh, American Jewish organization that I'm part of. So I have lots of uh, ongoing relationships with colleagues and friends from North America, and uh and I know how much they they deeply care about what's going on in Israel. So we are in in constant uh, talking since this uh, protest uh, started. So when Ora invited me to join her uh, in behalf of uh, safeguarding our shared home, this is the name of the Jerusalem protest. I said, of course, this is so important. All right, so let's talk specifically about the the point that you mentioned earlier aura which is that mm-hmm. your sort of cabinet portfolio just to put it that way is to do a hasbara or a dialogue with the diaspora jewish community and i i want to ask you what do you know about how canadian jews have been what have they been saying the groups that uh have been speaking out uh What's the Canadian situation that you're aware of in terms of how Canadian Jews are seeing what's going on in Israel? So I'm, I I don't claim to know or understand pretty much nothing. I barely understand the situation in my own country. So I wouldn't, um, you know, assume I, I could become an expert on any of these topics. But from the little I'm sensing, I'm, maybe I'll give some background. Um, I'm half American. My mother made Aliyah as a teenager came to this kibbutz in Israel, met my father, and here I am, Israeli first generation. So I do have some, I would say, background understanding of what it means to be a Jew outside of Israel in in this time and age. Uh, My family or my mother's family, um, most of it stayed in, in the U.S. So I do understand there is this string that ties us together, even when we live our lives in different countries. I would say that's my basic entry point to this conversation. What's happening in Israel currently is something which I believe on a personal level, not as a, a political expert, which I'm not, which affects anyone that has some linkage to Israel, a Jewish identity or, you know, just a warm spot for Israel in their heart. And from that reason, or from that understanding, I'm trying to act and to operate because changing the face of Israel and the character of Israel isn't an internal matter of Israelis. 
that's the way I'm perceiving it. About the question you had about how is the Canadian um, audience or jury experiencing this, honestly, I don't think anyone in Israel is even thinking in those terms of saying, hey, I wonder what the Canadian Jews are saying about this. Probably not. But I would say anecdotally, Canada is thrown into the discussion of the judicial reform in Israel pretty often as it's like, hey, look how the Canadian system is set up. You know, when Canada is mentioned, it's in a very specific um, context, which I think is completely misused. So I think, yes, it is interesting to hear the Canadian perspective. And I don't think we're, we're engaging enough with Jews outside Israel on this topic. Okay, I appreciate that. And Michal, um, what message do you hope to talk, to, to transmit when you come to Canada? Israel now is in a historic time. And uh, we, we call it like our second independent war. We're fighting for the future of Israel. And I think that lots of the Jewish Canadian people do care about Israel And in many ways, not all of them in the same way. There are people who believe Israel is their homeland and they believe everybody should make Aliyah. Some of them are Israelis that just you know, left Israel and want to live in Canada. And some others are liberal Jews who for many years felt kind of a rift that is growing between their beliefs and And uh, the solution, the political solution and the end of the, our um, struggle uh, with the, uh, the Palestinians and they don't agree with our uh, governments. So the, 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 the ways that they are tied to Israel had changed over the years and the liberal community uh, went really to be critique and, and some of the liberal Jewish people felt bad about being critique about Israel. How can they care about Israel and being critique uh, to Israel? And some of them just gave up and said, okay, never mind, I don't care anymore about Israel. So I guess that my message is that now we, it's the time to do care and even more if you're a liberal Jew because what we need now in Israel is that all of us will think together about how to Israel needs to become again the democratic and Jewish state that we are all dreaming about. And I think that this is the time for all of us to fight for, uh, for the, the future of Israel. Are you also looking for some financial fundraising while you're here too, from the Canadian community, the Jewish community? I want to say that since the beginning of this protest, Protest were all the time looking for support, basically and mainly from the people who are coming to the to the demonstrations. Every week, every WhatsApp, we ask people, we're all volunteering, but if you want this to be vocal, if you want us to put advertisements, if you want us to continue doing the protest, you should donate. And people are donating. So I think that, of course, we look to support for support. For this because this doesn't have any uh, support of course from the government and it wasn't there before it's a kind of a new thing that we all started volunteering and we do need the money to increase the impact 
we're coming because we need inspiration, we need partnership, and we need help to learn about building a liberal Jewish community, which is more pluralistic than it is now. Israel is, is falling behind, you know, the Canada for sure, probably the U.S., probably some other countries. That's my assumption. Maybe I'm wrong there. But I think there is much more to be shared across uh, the two nations or the two borders than just funds. It's not just about the money. I think it's more about the deep partnerships. And really, I think my number one purpose of this uh, mission is to create awareness and engagement. I want to ask you about the, there's sort of three or four camps in Canada. One is the right-wing Zionists um, that say you shouldn't be criticizing Israel in public because we don't vote there and it makes things worse when the world sees Jews criticizing Jews. That's one camp in Canada. Then there's the camp, more the liberal camp where you were mentioning, which has been very vocal, and the leadership of many of the Jewish mainstream main lobby organizations have been taking a much more muted approach, a much more wait and see, calm. Um, they don't protest that way. They do their lobbying quietly, but they do lobby. So there's kind of three camps. And I don't know if you're aware of that. This is my view from what I've been covering. So two thoughts to, to follow on what you said. One, I think a core message we're coming with is supporting Israel at this age in time means supporting the protest movement. That's one. So we, we completely acknowledge the complexities and, you know, the tradition of not speaking up against Israel in public, not criticizing the things Michal mentioned. Um, the, the second point was around speaking up, right? I think the question is, okay, we understand communities, community leaderships. I live in a community. It's really hard as a community to you know, to voice or to take a stand because it's always like the risk of uh, excluding people that aren't uh, viewing the events the same way. But I think for those not taking a stand yet, a, a really guiding question could be, what needs to happen? What are your red lines? Like in what terms of course of events, you as a community leader would say, okay, enough is enough. When this becomes, or when this line is crossed, we will stop to support the government and we will, we will shift our support to the country. And there's no single answer to this. It's a very personal, contextual, cultural, local question. But I think just by raising that question, it's provoking hopefully a um, positive discussion about, okay, what, what's your stand on this as, as, as a stakeholder? Except that when that criticism is in public in Canadian media or Canadian politicians tweet about it or Jewish groups tweet about it, we get a lot of anti-Semitism and a lot of anti-Israel um, social media hatred here in Canada, especially what happened this weekend in New York when you had the 2000 people went to, you know, the United Nations uh, Plaza when Bibi was speaking and at his hotel and people point to it and say, you see, even the Jews hate the Jews. So we, you know, the, the pro BDS, you know, even Bibi was saying you're you're siding with the Zion, with the anti-Zionists, with the terrorists, with the BDS, with the Iranians. So there's that whole balancing act that diaspora mm -hmm. Jews have to face, which you guys don't. 
I think that now our government, and I'm so sorry about that, is taking such an extreme, and they're so um, racist, this I want to say, and they're so not fighting for equal rights of people who live in Israel. So I, I want to say, okay, they were elected, but now if, if someone supports them, I think it, incre- it increases the hatred for Jewish people for being so, really so racist. It helps the BDS. I think this is really what they want to see. This is what they've been saying about Israel all the time, that Israel is always racist. And I think it's, it wasn't right. We need a lot to fix in Israel. But to say that we are racist and we are apartheid, this is not the truth. So now is the time to say to, to, our, to our, our government, look, we really love Israel, we care for Israel, but you can't work, you are working now for the BDS if you are giving such an extreme, extreme policy. The way that Bibi talks at the United Nations is not the way that he acts inside Israel. And everybody should know that. And the laws that they want that they want to rule are going to break all the rules of democracy, so this is the reason we are fighting and this you know I think this is the 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 what everybody should know that it's not against Israel it's about the future of Israel as a democratic and Jewish state or are you were meant you want to yeah just just to add to that uh, two points one is um we we've been called names. We've been called BDS again uh, and again. I mean, Prime Minister Netanyahu actually brags of the lively democracy Israel is and gives the protest movement as an example. So in a way, it's like he's holding this stick from the two sides, right? He's calling us names, basically initiating uh, deflammation and things like that, and taking pride in, the, in that exact movement. So there's, there's a double standard for sure there. And the second aspect is, I don't know how many people in Canada know this, but Netanyahu hasn't interviewed for Israeli media, like I would say open Israeli media, not his own channel, home channel on television, since he got elected. And the only interviews he gives are in English. So basically what's happening, he's moving the entire arena to the global arena. So are we supposed to leave... You know the, the the plane open for him to set the narrative and for him to tell the story of what's going on in Israel we don't think so that's the reason we're using our skills and our connections and our um, you know education to go out and to kind of like balance the picture right it doesn't help when the ministers come here and um, say things that they called me fake news I was like you don't even know me <laughs> and they wouldn't give me an interview take that as a compliment you're independent they're striking an attack we, we, we won't get into the whole media reform they're trying to do but basically they're striking an attack on any independent voice in the country and outside <laughs> apparently we need our partners in Canada and all over the world to ask Bibi to be to you know to be to say the same things here and there, to demand from Bibi to be uh, a person who do care for the future of Israel as a democratic state and not just to talk differently when he is abroad and not to talk with us when we are home.
I wasn't aware of that. So that's an interesting fact. I know he spoke to uh, Lex Friedman and CNN and Turkey and all these, you know, yeah. outside media, but not to us. I've been asking too. I want to turn turn the conversation to Yom Kippur and the future. Things aren't going to, nothing's happening until October 15th when the Knesset comes back. Tell me what the future in the next few weeks will look like from your organization's point of views. Are there going to be continued weekly protests? How do you navigate the holidays? What's what's next for you guys? So uh, we did protest yesterday against the president's home, which we do every week for an, almost 10 months. And uh, we spoke about 50 years to the 73 war. And we had a person who was injured, uh, really bad, uh, serious injured in his uh, brain. And he talked about his lessons from the, that war. And now he's a professor of, um, of psychology. And we had a reform rabbi talking to us. And we had an independent uh, journalist talking uh, yesterday. And we did, as we do every, uh, every week from the beginning of Elul, we had, I think, 10 people blowing the shofar in, the, in our stage and calling for uh, awakening to our government, and in Sukkot we are having an amazing project, which is for Sukkot inviting people from all the country to invite each other to the Sukkah, people from uh, all the rainbow of uh, opinions, to discussing together the future of Israel as a democratic and Jewish state, because uh, we want people to understand that this protest is not against the people, but it's against the leadership of this government. So we have so far like almost uh, 200 people inviting to their sukkah and like 400 people who want to join the sukkot and we're going to match. Um, me personally, I'm, I try to spend every Saturday um, night a different uh, location in the country. So last night I was in Carmiel, uh, up north. Um, it was an amazing and emotional protest. Uh, I don't know how many people in Canada know this, but we protest every Saturday in somewhat, I would say, 150 different locations in Israel. So, yeah, that was my uh, recent uh, protest experience. Um, in terms of the events, well, the Knesset is only coming back in the middle of October, and it's uh, Chagim here, but the Supreme Court is hard at work this month. Um, I don't know, again, how many people are aware of the fact that the President Chayut is retiring by the middle of next month. She's not going to be uh, sitting on new cases. And there are quite a few um, appeals that need to be ruled, um, all somewhat related to the judicial reform, quote unquote. So, so there are some, I would say, peak events that we're kind of like anticipating based on those rulings. And one thing to note, which I think is going to fuel a lot of the protests here, is coalition members, Prime Minister himself, Speaker of the Knesset saying, not willing to say they will abide any uh, ruling of the court. That's, that's an inflection point I think we're heading towards. Many are referring to it as the crisis, the judicial crisis or constitutional crisis, whatever you want to call that. But... It's kind of like taking shape with those events in our in our horizon. So I'm I'm anticipating some massive protests happening in Jerusalem 
shortly. Are you inviting people to your own Sukkot as part of the 200? Mm, sure, of course. And I want to say that I, I do hope that also people in, in Canada will invite each other to their Sukkah and join us to this project because it doesn't have to happen only in Israel. And uh, I'll send you, you know, the details. People can really invite each other to talk seriously about the future of Israel as a democratic and Jewish state. I think this is, uh, you know, years will come and I guess that our kids will ask us, where have you been at that time? And people can be proud to say, I was part of this. I would say, again, growing up in Zionist homes, and I'm sure anyone listening to this show has some connection to Israel. May it be resentment at this time, may it be pride, may it be shame, whatever, the, the whole spectrum of emotions. Uh, we do want to build Israel as a place that as many people as possible around the world would be proud of us being Orla Goim, right? So delight for everyone, for the people, for the nations. So th this is definitely a um, historical opportunity to do so and to shape the country's face. Uh, and um, looking forward to having you on this side of the Atlantic. Thanks so much for being on the CJN Daily. Their whole trip to Canada and to Seattle the next day is being sponsored by the local chapters of Unacceptable plus progressive Jewish groups, including JSpace Canada, the New Israel Fund, Arza, and Amenu. And we put the links in our show notes on how to register to go hear them in person at Temple Shalom, or you can watch it online. If you want to join the Safeguarding Our Shared Home group, the WhatsApp discussion group for English speakers, I put that number also in our show notes. As I told you off the top of the show, most of the protesters in New York on Friday at the UN were American Jews, but you could also see several red and white Canadian Maple Leaf flags among the demonstrators, which is where Toronto couple Joan Garson and her husband David Baskin were standing. Garson has strong ties to the New Israel Fund, and she just won an Order of Canada for her activism. I spoke to her live from the plaza outside the UN. Yeah. What does it mean to you to be a Canadian in New York representing the Canadian diaspora at this event. It means that we are part of the Jewish people. It means the world to me because the Jewish future of Israel, of North America, of Europe, Australia, is the one future. So important that we demonstrate that we believe that too. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Steve Pakin, the host of The Agenda on TV Ontario. They're still on strike, and he's not taking strike pay. I saw him in shul yesterday. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily.